Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff, and today I want to talk about what is next for the sport of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. What's up, guys? In today's episode, there are a couple of things I want to talk about. I got some drama I got to talk about. I want to talk about what's next for the Ryan brothers and just Jiu-Jitsu as a whole. What's next for the sport? Got to start with the drama. You guys know I love some jujitsu drama. I'm a sucker for it. And we got some some juicy some juicy news coming from the John Donahue. Um, he, he just made a appearance on the Lex Friedman podcast. I believe it released yesterday, but it's almost five hours long. It's on YouTube. So if you're a big John Donahue fan, New Way fan, Gordon Ryan fan. Just jiu-jitsu fan as a whole, you should definitely listen. It's a great listen. John is a fantastic mind in the sport, and what his squad just accomplished at ADCC was truly amazing, and he breaks it down. I'm only halfway through, but it's definitely been super entertaining, and I've enjoyed uh, most of it. But John says some pretty controversial things. There's a couple of statements he makes in regards to the DDS split that... uh, think uh is really interesting and I, i'm really interested in hearing b team's response particularly what craig has to say now i think they started this podcast off uh, in a great way instead of just jumping right into all the successes lex wants to know hey you know you just accomplished all this the team just made history at adcc gordon in particular but then bodani became a star and Mayor Golly killed it and just everybody, you know, your, your whole squad killed it. But a year ago, you lost most of your members. You guys split and became New Wave and B Team. What was that like? What was that all about? What was that like emotionally and how hard was that to overcome before ADCC? And John goes into probably 45 minutes into the split. Now, he never says anything concrete. He doesn't give us the juiciest details, but he does allude to the fact that it was between the two brothers. He never says anybody's name. He just says there was differences that were none, like they they couldn't reconcile these differences between the two brothers, and it was a family thing. And the animosity got so bad that certain members couldn't train be in the same training room with other members and I'm assuming he means Gordon Ryan that a couple of the guys just got so irritated and had beef with Gordon that they didn't even want to be in the same room as him now he says that he from the beginning he's like I've lived in New York for 30 years I'd lived in New York for 30 years in Manhattan these guys that were usually commuting so they didn't love New York especially after all the COVID mandates. It made it really difficult to train, so they wanted to move. He says Craig and Gordon wanted to go down to Puerto Rico. They had been down there visiting uh, Mo Jazim, and they loved it down there. They had great times down there, and they thought it would be a great place to train. John says he wanted to go to Texas from the beginning, but they go out to Puerto Rico. There's not a lot to do on Puerto Rico, and so these guys are having to spend all this extra time together where before when it was just the blue basement they would train and then they would leave they would go their separate ways but now they're in this small community and they're just with each other 24 7 and guys couldn't handle it and particularly 
they just, I guess, uh, some of them couldn't handle being around Gordon. Something happened that made them uh, made them split. So John wanted to, or they all decided to move to Austin, and John wanted them to stick together. He said, "Look, guys, ADCC is one year away. Let's just stick together. We'll all go to Austin. We'll train together and get ready for the biggest grappling uh, event in history." He's like, look, the progress you guys are making is astounding. And let's just keep it together. This is a good thing. And after ADCC, you know, you guys can reevaluate what you want to do. But let's just try and get through this for another year. But the differences were too great. They end up making a split with most of the guys going to B team. Now, we've never known who was the catalyst for the break off. Now, Donna here's claiming, you know, it's Nikki Ryan, Gordon Ryan. So Nikki Ryan leaving, a lot of the guys wanted to leave and go and train and start something with Nikki. But Donna here goes on and he says some, some more really interesting things. So he's claims that B team stole the gym that they were supposed to move to down in Austin. So the gym that the B team is currently at I guess initially, John is saying that that was supposed to be the gym that he and, you know, the DDS was supposed to be at. But those guys came underneath him and took that gym from him. So he was left gymless. He was homeless, essentially, going to Austin. And they found a local gym, and then they got lucky in a brand called Roca. I'm sure you guys have heard of it, but it's a pretty big brand. But they... Um, have a location down or they have you know something i guess down like a headquarters down in austin and the owner has a private gym and he opened the doors to uh, new wave and that's where the pros would train so i believe like those guys would be teaching at a school like a henzo school like a henzo affiliate in austin and then the pros would get together and do their private sessions at the roca facility Claiming that the B team stole the gym from them, I mean, that's a pretty big allegation. It definitely paints those guys in, in a bad light. And then John kind of also goes on to talk about how it's like, look, I'm in my 50s and I'm, you know, difficult to be around. It's like these young guys, you know, they're all becoming stars. Again, he never says anybody by names. It was like, look, all their peers and everybody's messaging them on Instagram, telling them how awesome they are and how. You know, how, oh, you're amazing, you're a star, you're one of the most badass people, you know, you're just getting all this praise all the time, and then they're coming into training, and they're having to listen to this old guy tell them they're not good enough, that what they're doing isn't good enough, that they could be better, that they need to be better. And he's like, well, I just think that got to some of them, you know, and I think they were just kind of tired of it, and they wanted to start their own thing. They wanted to go off on their own and try that route. Now, Craig has already come out and he's refuted those first two things. He's like, look, we didn't like the whole gym stealing thing. That is completely false. We did not steal the gym from New Wave. He then says that also we didn't leave. The split had nothing to do with hard training or, you know, John here, like Don here being hard on us. He's like the split was 100 percent personal. There was just personal differences. And he's like, I'm not at liberty to say what those are, but there were personal differences, and that was 100% what the split was about. So it comes down to who do you believe? You know, Do you believe 
Donahue or do you believe Craig Jones and the B team? And I'm really interested to hear Craig's side of the stories because he says he's going to come out and make a statement, which I think he should. If somebody was stating that I had stolen a gym from underneath him, you know, if me and Brandon split up and we were both moving, had plans to move to Orlando and I moved into a space and then a year later, you know, Brandon went on a podcast and was like, yeah, you know, me and Scaff, we were supposed to move and we we're starting the team together, but he decided to split and he just stole the gym right from underneath me. I would, you know, have to come out at least with a statement with my side of things. Now, if it was true, you know, I guess I would have to eat it and just accept <laughs> what I had done. But it definitely, you know, that kind of paints like you're just thinking about all oh, poor John Donner here and Gordon Ryan. They're left without a gym. Most of their teammates leave. And, you know, John kind of paints that story. He's like, look, like, most of Gordon's training partners were gone. Only a few of the squad stayed. It was Taza, Gordon Ryan, Gary Tonin. Everybody else left. So 80% of the squad was gone. The first person to move down was Bodani. And he was kind of talking about how Bodani had, um, you know, he, he had wanted, he like really enjoyed uh, being around John because John used him as an Uki in one of his instructionals. And he and Gordon had trained, and Bodani was interested in training with them more, but he just didn't know where he'd fit in because he knew, you know, his aspirations and dreams. He'd have to face some of those guys just weight-wise. So when all those guys left, he saw an opening in the squad for him. You know, him and Craig and uh, J-Rod and, you know, those guys are like the same size. So when they all left, he saw an opening uh, to join New Wave. So he moved down, then Luke Griffith moved, then Marigali came over. But it's kind of funny, like he kind of paints all these guys like they weren't that good. And he's like, Luke Griffith, you know, had lost the ADCC trials and then he came to Austin and he lost to a local purple belt and... Then after training with us for a short amount of time, he just went and crushed, you know, and like won his spot way into ADCC. And, you know, I I always wonder how much of things are like an exaggeration because I'd always heard like Luke Griffith was like a monster even before he went to, to New Wave. And then obviously he goes to New Wave, John Donahue being one of the top three coaches, if not the best coach in the world. Um, obviously he's going to get much better, but you know, John was kind of painting him as like, uh, this, this random kid from, from South Africa came over and, you know, he lost the trials, lost to a local Austinite. And, uh, you know, we joined the squad and a few months later, he's earned his ticket to ADCC and kind of the same thing with Marigali. Like, oh, you know, Marigali was a champion in the gi, but he had never done no gi. He had never trained Nogi. And I always hate that. I'm like, my man has been grappling for 10 plus years. It's kind of like somebody taking Bo Nickel and being like, yep, I took Bo Nickel and made him an ADCC champion. He's only been training jujitsu three years. Like if that happened, I'd be like, dude, what are you talking about? Bo Nickel's been grappling longer than just about anybody. I hate that narrative. Wrestling experience, gi experience, no gi experience, it counts if I just started training in the gi and in one year I went and won like black belt worlds or something and somebody was like look Scaff just won because I've only trained in the gi four times so essentially I've never I've never even I've never taken a class in the gi I've only rolled in the gi four times I've never done a any type of gi choke I've never been gi choke so again I am a noob at that sport just like Marigali supposedly but if I went and won Black Belt Worlds after one year of training in the Gi and people were trying to go, yep, 
he's just got one year of training in the gi. How impressive is that? I'd be like, oh, what are you talking about? I've been training, you know, prior to that, I'd been training for over a decade. You know, I'd been a black belt for, for five years. I've been grappling for a very long time. So anyways, that's one of my big pet peeves. I hate when guys do that. But anyways, um, yeah, after that, you know, Donahue starts to go into to Gordon's matches, just the squad's matches, and he talks about the performances, and that is where the gold is. But, of course, you know, if you like a little bit of drama, you should go back and listen to that. You should listen to him talk about the split. As I said, you know, nothing like detailed, but those are kind of the best nuggets. And I don't know what's true. I'm fascinated to hear what Craig's got to say. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I just, I'm a B-team fan. I'm a huge fan of Bodani, and I think Gordon is the best ever, and I have a lot of respect for Donna here, but there's something about those B-team guys. They're just so lovable, and I don't know. you know, If you got to choose a side in the split, I, I'm going B-team all the way. But talking about the Ryan brothers, right? The sports, two most infamous, I'd say, like pair. You know, you've got Gordon Ryan, who is on top of the jiu-jitsu world right now. He went out and accomplished history. Just did something that was honestly like unbelievable. Prior to him saying that, like nobody ever thought anybody would ever attempt something like that. You know, it was just always, I mean, even just doing like your weight and then trying to win the absolute was insane. But like, hey, you've already won the absolute. You're going to enter into this division. What if you lose? What if you get injured? What if like you're already in the most prestigious you know, match, you're in the ADC super fight. Why in the hell are you trying to go and do a weight division as well? And Gordon wanted to do the absolute. I mean, just incredible. And then obviously Nikki Ryan being his youngest brother, obviously there being drama between them. If we ever get a major like jujitsu movie, this is going to be one of the, the top three topics that it's about. You know, 50 years from now, if jiu-jitsu becomes one of the top sports, or maybe even it's the top sport in the United States, you know how many videos and mini TV series, they're going to have the cheap mini series that's on like Hallmark about the Ryan brothers, and they're going to have like, you know, the Tom Cruise of that generation, like he's going to be playing like Nicky Ryan and like Leonardo DiCaprio, somebody like that, uh, like Chris Hemsworth type will be playing Gordon Ryan, and that'll be like the big blockbuster, but it's going to it's, it's going to have like a huge place in jiu-jitsu history. And Nikki Ryan is fascinating. A lot of people, um, you know, I was looking on Reddit yesterday and somebody was asking about like Nikki Ryan's chances. Like, is he going to get an invite to next to ADCC? Like what's next for, for Nikki Ryan? He's this kid that has always been, you know, looked at as a prodigy, even more than Gordon. You know, there was a time where people were more excited about Nikki Ryan than Gordon Ryan. Now, some of you newer, uh, you know, people into jiu-jitsu, if you just started the past couple of years, you won't remember that. You know, really the past couple of years have been defined by Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan, Craig Jones, those have been the two dudes. But prior to that, you know, th there was a time where, where people were really fascinated with this kid, Nicky Ryan. Because the DDS was out and they were slaying everybody, you know, they, they were really on the rise and they were challenging people left and right and they had some good runs. But people were looking at this 14-year-old, 15-year-old, and then he jumps into 80, I think he was 15 years old when he debuted at ADCC and he had a really good performance. 
he fought AJ Agazarum. Um, you know, AJ is super, super tough, but you know, people are like, look, this kid, I mean, he's the younger brother of Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan's incredible. You listen to like Donna here and you were like listening to Gordon and they're all saying like, no, Nikki's going to be the best of all of us. And that's kind of continued, you know, even, even when there was like beef and some drama developing between them, you know, you'd still hear Gordon go, no, look like Nikki Rod is, or excuse me, Nikki Ryan is the best guy in the room in the training room. Nikki Ryan's the best. I was just listening to the B team channel the other day. It's definitely, let me just say this real quick. B team channel is definitely the best YouTube channel right now. If you want to learn and get better at jujitsu and study, they're just constantly dropping gold. That's probably why I'm such a big fan of them. Is because they just they put so much good free stuff out there, and uh, yeah, check out. But anyway, somebody was asking, and I've heard this like asked a few times to those guys, like who's like the best guy B team, who's like the most talented, who's the most, and everybody says Nicky Ryan. When you watch Nicky Ryan roll in the training room, he just is a stud. He destroys. He just destroys people. His game is just effortless. I think he's got performance issues, you know, and I think it's something he needs to get sorted out, probably just because he doesn't compete enough. But anyways, what's next for Nicky Ryan? What's next for Gordon Ryan? <sighs> this is tough, you know, because Gordon Ryan, if we just start with Gordon, Gordon doesn't have any matches. He's beaten everyone. Felipe is the only one. I mean, you know, he's trying to kind of stir that match up because I think he knows that's kind of the only one that makes sense. I guess Kynan. Kynan had a phenomenal showing and beat Craig really convincingly. Craig beat Marigali. So, you know, there's, you know, Craig beats Marigali. Kynan dominates Craig in the final. So there is like a place for that match as well. Obviously, Gordon just beat Andre, so it could turn into this like, well, Andre was 40, so let's get his top pupil, Kynan, who's a two-time ADCC champion. They've already had a match before, but that was super long ago. Um, you know, people, or I should say, Gordon always likes to say that with like Felipe. Like, yeah, those Felipe wins were like five years ago. Who cares? Well, that's kind of what happened with Kynan. You know, Kynan was a bland, brand new black belt when he faced Gordon, and Gordon, you know, he beat him for sure. Um, but Kynan's... When he's on, he's on, and he, he's got the physique to match Gordon. Now, technically, no. Gordon is technically head and shoulders above everybody, but who knows? You know, any given day, maybe Kynan could, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think they had 100 matches. Gordon wins 100 times, but hell, who knows? But those are really the only two matches. I've talked about in other podcasts that it's almost getting to the point with Gordon where, yeah, he's got to do these freakish things. He's got to do the super fight because if Gordon had just done the super fight and beaten beaten under Galval like that none of us would have been satisfied honestly I wish he would have done the absolute I, I wish he just would have kept doing matches until he lost maybe he would have lost after like the 15th dude and it'd be like all right well Gordon went 14 and 1 at ADCC but I want to see what he's capable of I want to see him really push that that red line I want to see him do things that you know, most people would only dream of. Like, I mean, honestly, maybe not even dream of. I mean, go out there. I, I would never think about having a match, like me going out there and doing a quintet by myself. But that's something Gordon could do. You know, if he could just get the right guys and, and people, you know, um, just like the Tackett brothers and the Rutolos. Like, if he fought the Tackett brothers and the Rutolos 
as a quintet. Like he faced all four of those guys. And you could even throw in the fifth tacket to make it a true quintet. I mean, you're telling me that that wouldn't sell? But it's getting really tough to sell me on, like again, like Gordon versus Yuri. You can't sell me on that match. Gordon versus like a Nikki Rod rematch. You can't sell me on that unless they're just going to be talking shit and, you know, stirring up some drama. Um, that's the only way that match sells at this point. Craig, like, no, I mean, just no offense to Craig. Gordon's clearly a level or a couple levels better than Craig at this point. So if he doesn't go to, to MMA and he's looking to sell like more instructionals, like he can do that. But at the same time, you know, it's tough. But if Gordon's not involved, like maybe you could have like reality TV series, like like kind of like Ultimate Fighter where Gordon's the coach and, you know, you bring somebody else in. So you're going to see more Gordon time, more like personality and see how he coaches and see, you know, just more behind the scenes of what he's thinking about jujitsu. But, yeah, I don't know. There's just not a lot of exciting things, uh, you know, for Gordon. And looking at Nicky Ryan, you know, he's uh, unfortunately just injured again. Nikki Ryan's got to have some type of knee surgery. Got injured before ADCC, so I still, I don't think, you know, people are down on Nikki right now. It's easy to hate after somebody loses, especially in the first round. It's easy to look at Nikki and go, I knew that he couldn't do that, or he's nowhere near as good as his brother. And no, when I watch Nikki Ryan, even that match against Canuto, like he lost because he got tired. But if he had just injured his knee, like obviously he, you know, says he, that and he's taking, uh, you know, he's probably going to have to get surgery and get his other meniscus removed. I mean, it would make sense that the man would get tired. You know, that's a super tough injury to try and compete through, especially in that 77 kg division. I mean, just tough, man. He's really had a hard past couple of years, with, with especially with those knee injuries. If you just go back and watch his Dante Leon match, particularly that Dante one, Dante third place. So fourth place at the 2019, third place this year, tapped PJ Barch in that third place match. I mean, he dominated Dante, beat him 5 0, but he was clearly like the victor. He's got some phenomenal wins over the past couple of years. He just can't stay consistently healthy. I want to see more of Nicky Ryan. I don't know how good the kid is. I really think he's got the potential. Like when I listen to him talk about jiu-jitsu, when I listen to his peers talk about it, and just the flashes I've seen on the competition scene, I think the kid can be the best in the world. I really do. But it's hard to get excited about Nicky Ryan because we see such, you know, so little of him on the competition mat. Now, I've got no issue in watching a guy and being a fan of his if he's just posting YouTube roles. So all the clips I can get of Nicky Ryan training at B-Team, I want to see him because he is a guy that I love to study, and I'm just really amazed um, of all the guys. Like, I mean, I think Nicky Ryan technically is a top 10 dude in the world. That might be pretty bold considering he lost to Hanada Canuto first round, but I really believe that he is the dude. Like one of the dudes. I'm talking about all weight classes. I really think he's a pound for pound best. Just when it comes to technical jujitsu. But if your body's breaking down all the time and you, you can't keep it healthy, it's hard. That's hard to express. It's hard to express. So we'll see what's next for Nikki Ryan. But I would love to see Nikki Ryan like just compete a little more locally. Get some matches. Just like go out there and fight some dudes that you're just gonna go crush. Go out there and, and do like an Emerald City or go out there and do a, a tournament with, you know, some lesser known guys and just go out there and crush them. 
I think he needs to to get on the tournament format because I would love to see Nicky Ryan come back in two years and win gold in that division. He's definitely a guy I'm rooting for because anytime a guy's got like heartbreak like that, and especially now that like you know the big brother is the star and he's the the greatest of all time, and you've split, there's bad blood. Like I, you know, I feel for Nicky Ryan, man. He's got he's in a tough place. Knee surgery comes back, hurts the good knee, has to get another knee surgery. I, I mean, I just, I feel for the guy, man. So I'm rooting for Nicky Ryan. And yeah, when he gets back, I mean, I don't want to see him jump right back in. But it seems like that's what he does. He'll just jump right back in and try and face a Tyru Tolo. Like, no, man, I want to see him go and face a dude that's not even in the top 25. I want to see him go fight a, a, a brown belt. Go fight a couple of brown belts. Go crush those guys. Let's see and Let's see you work up your confidence and, and really prepare um, competitively to be be the ADCC champion in 2024. So that leads me into like what's next for jiu-jitsu because things have been pretty quiet since ADCC. Flow has been super quiet. This is the quietest flow's been and obviously they just put on this sick event and they're probably taking a little bit of time to rest but you can't really do that, you know? That's the crazy thing about when you think about what the UFC does. Now obviously the UFC is this huge billion dollar corporation but I mean, after uh, Abu Dhabi, we're going to see Islam versus Charles. Well, they're not going to take a month off, right? They're, they've got shows lined up. I mean, we've got, just after that event, we've got we've got uh, Adesanya versus Pereira. Like, oh my God, you know? <laughs> like, that's happening a couple of weeks after the, the Abu Dhabi fight. So, we need something. You know, we need to keep this momentum going now. I'm not saying we need to just be selling, trying to sell out Vegas once a month, but we need big shows to come. And IBJJF just doesn't fill the void. IBJJF, especially after ADCC, if you try and watch an IBJJF event, you're just going to be reminded how much of an, uh, uh, an amateur sport this is. IBJJF is just a joke. When it just comes to true professionalism and trying to grow the sport, it's just not going to be done with the IBJJF. So if that's what people are trying to push, like, dude, pans is coming up. Like, get out of here with that. Nobody cares about pans. Pans jiu-jitsu, like, has zero chance of ever making it onto, like, to ESPN. Like, nobody cares. No casual wants to watch IBJJF. So what's next? Are we going to have to wait two years until the next? I mean, it's pretty cool. You know, they announced Mo Jazim is going to be the, the organizer again. Going back to Vegas, going to try and even do a bigger and better show. I think he's going to do it. But are we going to have to wait two years? I mean, the World Cup's every four years, right? But at the same time, there's established soccer leagues that people get super, super excited about. We need something, like a season. We need something that people can get excited about for a period of time. Some people are only excited, like get excited about basketball, and they love the NBA. So from the months of October, so the NBA starts Tuesday, and then ends, I think, in June, right? I'm a huge NBA fan, so I, I've got it circled. Next Tuesday, opening night. I cannot wait. We've got the Lakers. We're going to see if they can fix what they – uh, what happened, you know, with them? And you got 76ers versus Boston Celtics. I'm a huge Celtics fan. Um, just, I, I'm a big fan of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I think those dudes are just ballish. But, anyways, that season ends, you know, and you've got months where you, there is no basketball. So you get excited again, but it's not every couple of years. We just, we need more 
regularity. We need a season. We need we need something like that. You know, EBI absolutes coming up. I don't know if EBI is the answer. Um, I, I just think like ADCC was a huge step in the right direction. It's just nobody thought to ask the question, what's next? Again, it's just going to be a sport we get excited about every couple of years. Where, like the masses come and they like check in on ADCC. You know, we'll get some stars like eyes on it. But the rest of the time, nobody really cares except the hardcore fans. Or we're going to find a way to truly get this thing televised and get people excited. Um, like I said, you know, we got EBI next weekend. Got a Medusa event before that. I, I just don't know. You know, EBI has been trying to grow. And Fight Pass, I will say this. Like, I do know, like, the UFC Fight Pass loves grappling events. They love Eddie's shows. They are very, very highly watched. They're one of, like, outside of the UFC events, I think they're, like, in the top three of most watched most watch events on um, Fight Pass. So that's a huge deal. So maybe it is. You know, I'm a huge fan of combat jiu-jitsu. And I like the regularity of the shows. You know, Eddie doesn't do too many. So um, I'm not a big fan of, like, every weekend for, like, grappling. I I, um, I kind of like, like, the big events, like an EBI every couple of months. It just seems like that rule set hasn't caught on to, like, the majority of grapplers we just need like unified man we need to find a way to unify a rule set we need to find a way to get the best guys consistently competing against each other we need to find a way to get prospects like like find a way to like raise up prospects i don't know what the answer is but i I just feel like the momentum's going to die and then next ADCC, people start getting excited again because they'll remember how awesome this one is. But I don't know, you know. I'm interested because, like I said, Flow Grappling has been very quiet. I wonder what their next plans. They're the ones kind of driving the sport right now. They're the ones, like, putting on, like, throwing money at it. Um, you've also, you know, again, you got Eddie Bravo doing his thing. But it's really just that and the IBJJF. It's not happening from IBJJF. I'm not sold on EBI being the big thing. I think, it again, it, it's a good thing for the sport, but I I just don't see it getting tons of momentum, not like not like we saw at ADCC. But Flow, you know, I feel like outside ACC, they've had a pretty lackluster year. So what's next for them? I don't know. Till next time, guys, I really love and appreciate all of you. Peace.